It is the 200 level episode 174 of my carpenter actually from the basement, like the good old days, and the reason being it is freezing outside, which means it's freezing in the sunroom and that studio, that ain't going to work this week. So we'll have to figure something out for Tuesday night when Illinois plays Northwestern, and on the Sunday afternoon, the coldest day of the year, hopefully the coldest day of this winter that we'll have, I decided to camp out in the basement and warm up, and that's what we're going to do for the next couple pods until it gets you know, somewhat normal temperatures again. And I'm not going to do one of those things where I complain about the weather, but yeah, this sucks. This does suck. But fortunately, when Illinois is 10 and 3 in the conference and they avoid a bad loss against Nebraska, and hopefully the last sort of wake-up call that they're going to need as they get in the stretch run here, you got to be feeling pretty good about things. Now, one thing that you probably don't feel great about as I record this podcast and as we look at the Big Ten title race, would be Michigan continuing to do what they do. Now, of course, I would have liked to play them Thursday. I think he would have had a pretty good shot, regardless of what happened Friday in Lincoln. I think this will be a close matchup whenever these two teams play, but Michigan is really, really, really good. And real quick to start this podcast is an airing of grievances about Wisconsin. One of the most thoroughly unenjoyable basketball viewing experiences you'll ever have is watching Wisconsin basketball. And this goes all the way back to the Bo Ryan era with the exception. I will give them one exception. The Frank Kaminsky teams with uh, Sam Decker, uh, the other guy, they were loaded. And I don't know why I can't remember the other names because there's been so many names that have went through that program the last 20 years. But this Wisconsin, this reminds me of why I hate them. Now, I saw this from Bob Zupke on Twitter. And I had not had this thought, but it makes a lot of sense. He said, is Greg Gard, or basically he said, you can't convince me that Greg Gard isn't Bruce Weber. I'm paraphrasing there, so I might have gotten that a little bit incorrect. But if you think about it, that's an apt comparison. Greg Gard has been fine and sometimes good. I mean, he won a Big Ten title last year. I think he made a Sweet 16 since he's been there. But he is still you know, reaping the benefits of the Bo Ryan era. I think all these fifth-year seniors, at least they were Bo Ryan's recruits coming in, and it will be interesting to see Greg Gard's Wisconsin program after, I say interesting, it probably won't be. It'll be just as boring in just a different way. But the Brad Davisons of the world and the Nate Reavers, Demetric Trice, these guys that I'm pretty sure were the last bit of Bo Ryan's program, and maybe they'll come back next year for a seventh year, God forbid, But as I was watching that Wisconsin-Michigan game today, I became increasingly frustrated watching Wisconsin. And I'm reminded of it every time I watch them play. And in the one day that we needed them to help us out, of course they couldn't deliver, despite having a 14-point lead in the first half. Isaiah Livers hit a shot before halftime, which made you think, okay, maybe Wisconsin should be up more than this. And sure enough, Michigan took over in the second half, won the game. A big win for them, so kudos to them. But also a reminder that Wisconsin is struggling. So on one hand, I love to see Wisconsin struggling. I'm so bored to tears with that entire thing up there. And I think you do need to start asking the question, is Greg Gard very much a Bruce Weber-like figure? Decent coach, but unable to maintain what he had inherited. I think that will be the case. I would be surprised if Wisconsin continues to get the top four finishes in the Big Ten year in, year out. Eventually, you got to have talent. And the Big Ten is not going to get any easier. I wonder if Wisconsin wasn't the beneficiary of a few easy Big Tens in the last 20 years. This is not one of those. And the Michigans of the world, the Ohio States of the world, the Illinois, and of course the Iowa after they won yesterday big up in Michigan State, you're reminded of what a really good athletic Big Ten team looks like. Wisconsin is not one of those. And I don't think they're going to be able to turn that around very quickly. And frankly, even if you're a recruit, why would you want to go to Wisconsin? When you have Juwan Howard at Michigan, when you have what Chris Holtman's doing at Ohio State, I think to an extent what Brad Underwood's doing here at Illinois, though we need to pick up the 2021 recruiting class, I wouldn't normally start a podcast complaining about Wisconsin basketball unless we lost to them, but I am both annoyed with them and also optimistic that their days are numbered as a perennial Big Ten favorite. I kept waiting for it to happen. It took about 10 years longer than I thought it would, but maybe we are finally seeing Wisconsin go down the tubes or at least back to mediocrity, and that would be a welcome sight. Let's get into the Big Ten conversation later. We will talk about Friday night against Nebraska, try to contextualize that. We'll talk about the top 16 seeds in the NCAA tournament getting released Saturday and where Illinois fits in with that. Pretty exciting stuff. I was thinking of calling this podcast, Here Comes the Pain. But there is currently a trademark battle brewing between Robert from Illini and John Rothstein, so I, I don't want any part of that. 
no litigation here on the 200 level. We frankly couldn't afford it. And we don't have any merchandise that we have thrown up there yet. We leave that to the experts of 4th and Kirby. And let's start with them, actually. Remind you, the 4th and Kirby is online at 4thandkirby.com. And they have two awesome t-shirts coming up. Vintage-inspired Alani apparel. You're going to love the one on February 17th. So that's actually Wednesday. This is getting released. Be on the lookout for it on February 17th. 217 217. That's the biggest hint I can give you, but you will love this shirt along with another one coming out March 3rd. And we're going to have a very special guest on the podcast because it is this person's shirt, but I can't tell you whose it is. Those surprises and more, but go to fourthandkirby.com, coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. DP Doe, let them deliver to your door in this freezing cold. You don't need to leave the house or apartment. They'll bring you a piping high calzone for $5. Use coupon code Mike at dpdo.com. Custom zones with any topping you want. Some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie, the buffer zone. And again, they deliver anywhere. So why go anywhere if you don't have to? dpdo.com. Got to thank State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian has you covered. Great State Farm prices, of course, but also personalized service. And I can speak from experience moving to this new house, getting the homeowners and auto bundle from State Farm. We got the great prices, and it was as seamless and easy as could be. Brianismyguy.com. And finally, new sponsor, Rector Construction, the reliable roofing, construction, and remodeling company in central Illinois. Giving to the community is key to their mission. Their main desire is to help better Champaign County, and they're doing that one roof one crawl space, one home addition at a time. So from your roof to the crawl space to anything in between, give Rector Construction a call today at 217-281-7000. That's 281-7000. Or visit rectorconstruction.com. That's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for a free estimate. Alana Inquirer, the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners with the 200 level. And we got to thank you for all the ratings and the reviews and listening. We've had a huge month, no surprise, Thanks to Illini basketball and this resurgence. The last few weeks have been a lot of fun going back to that Iowa game. And we appreciate you making us part of your Illini sports fix. And God knows that when they're winning, I'm consuming things. I'm listening to Jeremy's podcast. I'm going online to all the different websites and reading these articles from many awesome people covering this thing. And we just enjoy being part of that rotation if we've made it to yours. And spread the word. Spread the word, whether you share a tweet of ours or just tell someone about the 200 level. And hey, if Friday and I was their first podcast listening to us, they probably think we're a bunch of grouches, grumpy curmudgeons. And I felt that way Friday night. And I think a lot of us did. When we do these second half pods, there's a few different ways they can go. Now, if Illinois wins, they're fun. Now I say that. <laughs> the Nebraska one for about an hour and 15 minutes did not really feel fun until they won, and then it was fun. The Indiana game, an hour and a half, get into overtime. I think it was an hour and 45 minutes total. It wasn't fun until it was. But then you have the moments like the Wisconsin game at home. You have the Iowa game, and I think a few more moments along the way this season. I think this team is peaking at the right time regardless of what happened Friday, but we were frustrated. And to be honest, I was scared. I didn't know how we would broach an Illinois loss to Nebraska. And frankly, I don't think anyone would have. I wonder if Jeremy, and I'll talk to him tomorrow on the Illini Inquirer podcast, but I wonder if he was thinking, oh my God, like what's, what's the lead for this story? If Illinois loses at Nebraska, and it felt like they would, down seven, I believe, around three minutes to go, and then Io took over. Let's start with Io, and I know that's the obvious storyline here, but we can start talking about him as the best college basketball player or the best single season performance in Illini history. That's not to say he's better overall than a Darren Williams. That's not to say that he's as impactful, I guess, as a D Brown, who was really the face of the program. And other than for older fans, Chief Illini Weck, if you think about it, D Brown is sort of the unofficial mascot of Illinois basketball. Still is. He carries a ton of cachet, even to this day, 15 years after he left. We could go back further. Eddie Johnson, the impact he had in getting Lou Henson's program on the up and up. You had the final on I guys, of course. Frank Williams, one of my favorites. But if we're really getting down to the best single season in Illinois basketball history, Iowa was making a case for that. One of the only guys, I think the first player in NCAA basketball in 11 years to average something 22 plus points per game, six plus rebounds per game, five plus assist. And he's doing it with ease. 
there was a two-week stretch in mid-January before the Iowa game where I was a little bit worried, feeling that not so much regression. He was still putting up the numbers, but something didn't feel right. Something wasn't clicking. That might have been more due to the team as a whole. And then naturally, if the team's not winning, you aren't going to look at Iowa quite the same way. And of course, when they are winning, you look at your best player and say, isn't he great? But he is playing at another level right now. And he did that again Friday night when the rest of the team just couldn't quite find their groove. Iowa was there to bail you out. We don't need to apologize for winning that game Friday night. Nebraska will eventually win a Big Ten game, I think. And we could even go back to really good Illinois teams with bad performances against bad teams. And they win by the skin of their teeth. And that's the key, right? They won Friday, so it's a lot easier and more fun to do this exercise. Let's go back to 05. I mentioned D. Brown and Darren Williams, but sticking with D. Brown here. In 05, I remember a game at Michigan. I did not recall that Michigan was, I think, 128th in Ken Palm. They were bad that year. This is the Tommy Amaker era where they were toiling away in obscurity. They would make some NITs. I forget who their stud guard was. They had a, a small guard that was pretty good, but that was about it. And he won by six. If I recall, 57, 51, something like that. And it took D. Brown with three consecutive steals and three layups to get you the lead, give you some cushion. He had one of his very infamous jersey pops that game. And we're all feeling good, right? We're in the middle of a undefeated season at that point. You get the win at Michigan. Ken Palm was not really on our radar. It was still Michigan basketball, so they weren't, let's say, Northwestern. It was a road game. You take any road win you can get. Is that all that dissimilar from what happened Friday night at Nebraska? Maybe not. Nebraska has some talent. I, I couldn't tell you a single name. I'm not, I'm not bothered to learn any of their names. I know that sounds very almost pretentious or arrogant to say, I don't care about any of these guys' names. I, I just don't, though. I'm not going to learn any of these guys in Nebraska because they have no bearing on my life. They aren't going to be there that long because Fred Hoiberg is building this weird patchwork transfer market sort of program over there. So they'll be gone just as quickly as they get there. But they have enough to maybe spring an upset. And they might still do that this year. I was surprised that it was going to happen against Illinois. But the key is you got the win, just like they got back in 05. We move on. This is merely a footnote. But we will remember Iowa's performance, just like we remember D. Brown getting three steals and three layups to help Illinois to that win when nothing else was really going right. One of those games where everything was just sort of plotting, was messy. It felt like every rebound on Friday, Illinois had to labor to get. Like the ball had jelly on it. Those nights happen. If we're getting to the psychological impact of playing at Nebraska on a Friday night instead of the Michigan game that was supposed to happen Thursday, how, as any player in that Illinois team, would you be as psychologically up for that game as you would have been Thursday night? This is not to excuse the performance, but I think it explains it a little bit. It explains at least one, one half of bad basketball. The second half is where I do worry a bit for this Illinois team. They're not perfect. We know that. However, in this college basketball landscape, they're good enough. They're good enough to make a run, and clearly they're good enough to be a two seed, which we'll get to in a bit. But when you see a performance like you saw on Friday night, 20 minutes of that, it happens. You move on. Michigan had one today against Wisconsin. They had to shake the rust off. They did not look good in the first half, but they figured it out in the second. Illinois took a couple of five-point leads in the second half. They were not able to maintain it. Nebraska would always punch right back. And that is a concern. This team, I'm not going to say they lack a killer instinct. I don't think we can say that the way that they finished the games against Iowa, Indiana, and Wisconsin. I think they do. But unfortunately, there's a confidence. I say unfortunately and confidence in the same sentence. It's good to be confident, but I think this team has this notion that they can turn it on at any given moment. And while they are very good, they are a very good basketball team, they are not an all-timer, at least not yet. And for them to make a run to become an all-time team, for us to really look back on this season as something special, you got to avoid that. You have to avoid that. And the good news is that I think they can, and I actually think they will the rest of this Big Ten schedule, especially the easy games coming up. They are in position to rattle off a bunch of wins, to maintain that two-seed in the NCAA tournament, and maybe with a little bit of help get a Big Ten title, though that seems less and less likely, especially after today. But avoid that, guys. Whatever you got to do. Come into these games, and it's not about winning every game by 20 points. It's not about style points. It's about winning, and they got the win Friday. But 
it should not be a case down the stretch of playing down to your competition. And with Northwestern coming in Tuesday, which I think is going to be an absolute bloodbath, I think Illinois will respond from what happened Friday and smoke Northwestern. But when you go to, let's say, Michigan State, you look at the standings and you see that Michigan State is just not good this year. And I love the I love the matchup between these two teams. I think Illinois should be able to beat Michigan State comfortably, just like I thought they should be able to beat Nebraska comfortably. But if you go up there with this weird air of, ah, we got this. We'll flip the switch whenever. Nothing's saying that Tom Izzo's team can't spring an upset on you. And you got to avoid that. I think regardless of if this team wins a Big Ten title, simply avoiding bad losses down the stretch, you're going to be right in position to achieve everything that you want to this year. Well, I say everything. Of course, I wanted a Big Ten title. But now I'm sort of pivoting towards putting yourself in a position to make a tournament run, NCAA tournament. And you can do that, but just don't have any more hiccups. I hope that Nebraska was the hiccup. And fortunately for you, Nebraska's bad enough where you were able to get the win despite a bad performance. And it's so much better to come on here with the podcast, talk about a rough performance when it was still a win. And when he got Io and Kofi, by the way, a quietly, I say quiet, another four dunks or whatever it may have been, and another double-double, no problem. He was great. When he got Io and Kofi, you got a chance in every single game, including the ones where the supporting cast may not be great. One silver lining about Friday night's game, Adam Miller is starting to play with a little bit of consistency. I know the shooting is not there you know, as, as consistently as maybe we'd like to be, this thought I think we had early in the season that he might become the sharpshooter, someone you could count on going 40% from three. But there is a confidence to his game offensively and defensively. You see him in the crunch time in that game, unlike I think the Indiana game, it was more Curbelo than anybody. But you're starting to see Adam Miller in those last lineups. The last five minutes of the game, he's out there as somewhat of a stopper. That's impressive for a freshman. He seems to have the right sort of mindset for this. He does not seem to be at all shaken by the fact that he's had some struggles this year, as evidenced by how we spoke to the media earlier last week. He's a polished kid, and I think that polish is why we got so excited about him to the degree where we felt like he's been a disappointment this year because he's not averaging 15 points a game and you know competing for Big Ten freshman of the year honors. I think he's going to be fine. There was one move in particular Friday, which was a couple dribbles he took, and then he had a 15-foot jumper from the free throw line, and it was good. When he went up for it, I was like, oh, God, don't. Why are you shooting that? That's not a high-percentage shot. You're a three-point shooter. And he made it, and I thought, okay, well, that's another tool in his toolbox, and that will only grow. I am honestly more confident in Adam Miller going forward than Andre Crubello. Not to say that I don't like Andre Curbelo. I love Andre Curbelo. We all do. How could you not? But we're seeing a sort of looseness from his game that has become detrimental. And I think there's still going to be a game or two this year where Andre Curbelo is going to be key in helping you get that win. But you're starting to see that Underwood is not messing with it if he has to. And in some of these close games, I think what's going to dictate whether Curbelo's out there in crunch time is are you getting good Andre or bad Andre? As a freshman, I'm willing to go with that, but there is this sort of erratic nature to his game where it is still difficult for me to say, well, next year you got Crabello and you're going to be good. I think that's going to be the case. I think it is. But I actually am beginning to have more faith in Adam Miller to be that rock in the backcourt next year. And hey, maybe there's something to be said about the fact that he went through those struggles for about a month of the season, and he's coming out on the other side of it with some consistency. And what we saw Friday night, he and Trent essentially split third scoring duties. And I think they can do that with a little bit more consistency. Defensively, they're doing the job. And I think you are starting to feel as if Adam Miller especially is growing into that role. So just a little quick aside about Adam Miller on Friday night, and I think how he's been playing recently. And the schedule going forward for Illinois is very favorable. We know that. Tuesday night, got moved to the late start. Drink your coffee. Northwestern, 8 o'clock on Tuesday. At Minnesota is a tricky one on Saturday, next Saturday, February 20th. And then at Michigan State on Tuesday, the 23rd. And presuming that you'll get Nebraska in there the final week. At Wisconsin, it'll be interesting to see where they're at when you play them again. But you're going to be favored in all those games. The exceptions down the stretch will be at Ohio State to close the year and at Michigan whenever that game gets rescheduled, and I'm pretty sure it will. Whether or not that's for a Big Ten title, that remains to be seen. But Saturday was 
reaffirming in a lot of ways, or reassuring, I guess, in terms of where this team is positioned for the NCAA tournament. Top 16 seeds come out. You have two Big Ten teams getting one seeds, deservedly so. Michigan, Ohio State. Michigan looks really good. And what they did today against Wisconsin, I think only shows they aren't going anywhere. There's not going to be a second half of the season lull, and that COVID break is not going to severely impact them. They're talented. This is that convergence of John Beeline and the sort of X's and O's excellence that he was known for, finding these three-star guys, the diamonds in the rough, that turn out to be great college basketball players. This is merging that with Jawan Howard's ability to identify really good recruits like Hunter Dickinson, a monster down low, which by the way, he made Nate Reavers look like he was six foot five with a couple of offensive boards late in that game. That's a really good Michigan team, and it's difficult to imagine them even getting their way to four losses in conference. Illinois is a three right now. So essentially, you're in a position where you got to win out if you want to have that conversation. But Saturday was reassuring because you're a two seed. And not only are you a two seed right now, you are the first two seed. You're right there on the one-two line. Unfortunately, it looked like they were going to put us in Baylor's bracket. Have fun with that. But just the fact we're having a conversation about Illinois as a two seed. When a few weeks ago, before the Iowa game, I was hoping that you would win that to just kind of get back into the four-seat conversation. To me, that was the new expectation. Win some key games, get a four-seat in the tournament, and put yourself in a position to make the second weekend. Well, you get the second seed in any of these brackets, you are putting yourself in position to make an Elite Eight. And depending on who your one seed is, you're putting yourself in really good position to make the Final Four. The unfortunate thing for any Big Ten team that gets a two-seed this year is they will not be put in a bracket with a one-seed Big Ten team. You're going to be in the Gonzaga or the Baylor bracket. We've seen Baylor. We competed. Other than that four-minute stretch, I think we're better now than we were then. I think that's inarguable. But for all I know, Baylor is too, and they're old. I don't know if I want Baylor. I kind of would prefer to be in Gonzaga's bracket. And I don't know how that shakes out. If they're the number one seed overall, what two seed you would have to be to get on the other side of Gonzaga's bracket. But it seems to me like as this season goes on, Baylor is going to be more battle tested than Gonzaga. And you just hope you get in one of those nights where Gonzaga's offense isn't quite what you think it is. I think Illinois, in terms of athleticism, could match up better with them than Baylor. I'd prefer that. But if you don't get a one seed, I mean, it's going to be two Big Ten teams as a one seed. And I don't see Michigan or Ohio State going anywhere, so it will take a Herculean effort for Illinois to get to that line. You're in the conversation. You control your own destiny for one seed more than you actually do for a Big Ten title. Because winning a Big Ten title is not a prerequisite to getting that final one seed in this NCAA tournament. Ohio State could win out and still not get a share of the Big Ten title. They would be, what, 16-4. and And they might win out the way that they're playing right now. So you don't need a Big Ten title to get that. And I think that is my new upper echelon goal. A goal for this team would be to get a couple more key wins, avoid the bad losses. And even if you don't get the Big Ten title banner, you get that final one seed to avoid playing Gonzaga or Baylor, hypothetically, until the final four. But again, we're having this conversation. That's insane to me because in my life, it has either been the two years where you were a one seed, 05, and 01. 89, I was too young to really know, but 01 and 05, how amazing it felt on Selection Sunday, knowing that you were going to get a one seed. And it's still, you know, even knowing it, when they call it out, you're thinking, wow, we're, we're elite. Illinois basketball has made it. We've arrived. And then every other year, even in those really good stretches, you were maybe a four, maybe a five. I've never seen Illinois as a three seed, and I've never seen them as a two seed. They've almost felt elusive. It's like either we're going to have the occasional one seed every 10 years, whatever it may be, or we're going to be a four or five. And Lon and I always joked on 93.5 how we long to get back to the days where we say, ah, a five seed again, as if that's a bad thing. But we got used to it. We took it for granted. You tell me this team is going to re-enter the NCAA tournament for the first time in, what, eight seasons as a two seed. That's really cool. We should enjoy this. It's tricky because when we watch these games like Friday night, we're watching every single play. We're seeing the good and the bad and the ugly. Most of it good, but of course, moments of bad and ugly basketball. And then you 
take a step back and look at the national picture and where college basketball is, you start to appreciate just how good this Illinois team is. Sometimes we're so close to it that we get into all the little minutiae and the mistakes that the team makes or these moments where you want to pull your hair out, which I think any fan base is feeling. Even the Baylors and the Gonzagas, despite being unbeaten, they probably had moments where they thought, oh God, why can't this team ever get off to a hot start? Baylor fans might have this thing where why does it always take until the second half until we put a team away, which they always seem to do, but that's fandom. And now that we are in this spot, in this conversation, one that I was hoping we would have when Iowa and Kofi announced that they would come back, but we could not have guaranteed that things would work out even to the level of getting a two seed in the NCAA tournament. Now, you don't raise a banner for that. I've said before, I want something tangible for this year, some banner that we can raise. So when I go to State Farm Center in the future, I could say to my son or daughter, you know, if, if that happens, I don't, <laughs> we got a dog and we're happy with that. But let's just say hypothetically, Carp has a kid, okay? And I say, well, Sonny boy, take a look. Oh, yeah, there's the banner, the Big Ten champions from 2021. What a season that was, the COVID-19 season. Yeah, I'd like something like that, as opposed to having to dig out a media guide and say, oh, see, there were a two seed. You don't hang a banner for that. But you know what? If we were to pull Illini fans before the season, would you rather get a Big Ten title and, let's say, a four seed? And I know this is just a hypothetical exercise here. Would you rather get a Big Ten title and a four seed in the tournament or no Big Ten title and a two seed? I don't know what it is about a two seed. I mentioned the elusiveness of it, never having seen it. But I would have been torn. I, I want the banner, but yeah, I want the two seed. Of course, I want the one seed, but a two seed is crazy. I love picking two seeds in my brackets because it always seems like the one seed is too obvious and not every one seed is going to make the final four. Oh, who's the two? Villanova seemed to be the perpetual number two seed. And I know it took them a while to get over the hump and finally win a title, but you look at that program and think, God, I wish we were Villanova. So it's going to be really cool when these pairings come out, you know, as long as you avoid the bad losses here down the stretch, avoid any sort of collapse, and you likely end up with the two seed. That is insane. So I'm enjoying this. I am. I, I love the fact that I think each Saturday they're going to update these 16 seeds, kind of like the football commission does that with the BC. I said BCS with the football playoff, and they they do that every what Monday or Tuesday during the football season. So we will get updates on this and have an idea where Illinois is at. But at the end of the day, the Big Ten is loved by all the analytics, by all the national riders and the AP voters which means you aren't going anywhere unless you blow it. And it's hard for me to imagine this Illini team when you got someone like Io and you got someone like Kofi. It's hard for me to imagine them blowing this. Knock on wood. I got a wood desk here. I just did that to absolve myself of any responsibility if Illinois does, in fact, blow it. But I don't know if we really need to worry about that. Pretty cool though, right? And trying to think of what to name this podcast, I was looking for puns with the number two. As I'm talking right now, I still don't have a title for this. That's going to be written after I'm done recording. Puns are hard. And we'll, we'll get to the whole conversation about puns in a bit. But <laughs> I like this. I like being in this position. I like watching other Big Ten games and rooting for teams because of Big Ten title implications. Haven't been able to do that in a while. I know we did that to an extent last year, but this is going to be a whole month of scoreboard watching. And that's cool. It, it, I'm more involved and invested as a basketball fan when Illinois is good. I haven't filled out a bracket in eight years. Because if Illinois is not in it, why do I care? I watch it. I think it's fun. But I don't want to pick up a bracket because there's something so discouraging about seeing an NCAA tournament bracket without Illinois' name on it. Well, we got that locked in. We got that locked in. I mean, you're in the tournament on February 14th. That is a done deal. So that's one you can check off the list is, hey, okay, not only have we improved, we've improved exponentially. Remember last year at the same point, Illinois still had to go on a run at the end of the year for us to feel confident about that. You had lost four games in a row. I think four, right? Iowa, Michigan State, Maryland, and Rutgers before you went on the five out of six run to solidify not only were you in the tournament, but you got a six seed. Six seed, psh, two seed, come on. One more note about the Big Ten title. I was thinking about this, and maybe this is me preparing myself for the likelihood that Illinois is not going to win a conference title. Watching the Michigan-Wisconsin game today, there is something liberating about seeing Michigan play that well in the second half. What I mean by that is 
let's say Michigan is elite. Let's say that they just have the chemistry and all the right pieces for them to make a Final Four run, and they go 17-2, and 18-2 and two in conference. Because they might. That's a pill that you can swallow. That's not one of those situations where you look back at the Maryland game and say, God, if only we had just won that. Because this Illinois team, as good as they are, they are not a perfect team. They are not a whole team to the extent that Michigan is. Michigan may not have the Iowa Kofi, but you look at the balance that they have on that roster, one through seven, it's stronger than Illinois. They don't have the one-two punch, but one through seven, they are stronger, and that is a dangerous team for the tournament. And they kind of remind me a little bit of the D, Darren, and James Augustine, Luther, those kinds of teams where I know there was more star power technically in a D Brown, and Darren Williams had a really good pro career, but it was the balance in that starting lineup where there was never a night where you couldn't count on all five of them being good. And that seems kind of what Michigan has going on right now. You can count on all of them. They're just balanced. No one has to score 30 points in a game because they're all scoring 13. Meanwhile, this Illinois team says, Io, please score 31 because we're kind of out of sorts tonight. And that's fine. In basketball, that works. But there is something liberating about the idea that, you know what, maybe Michigan's just that good. And what our job is, is to win a couple more big games, avoid the bad losses, get a two seed, and then make our legacy in the NCAA tournament. I recall distinctly as a kid hearing about the 89 team, and one of these footnotes in the trivia would be that, did you know Illinois didn't win the Big Ten that year? And no one cared. No one cared. At least hindsight's 2020. You made a Final Four, and when you make a Final Four, it really doesn't matter if you won a conference title or not. It, it doesn't. So I think there is still room for this team to build their legacy without that Big Ten title. I got so hung up on that. And I sort of gave that up about three, four weeks ago, before the Iowa game especially. And of course, I got sucked right back in. And then seeing Michigan today kind of sucked me right back out of it. Because it's still a pretty tall mountain to climb now that Michigan's back. will presumably make up most of these games. And they don't seem to me a team that will go through extended funks. Too many good pieces on that team. Ohio State, the same sort of thing, the balance they have. We don't have that balance. I like Trent. I can't count on him every night for 12 points. I know he does more than score, but I'm just saying, you, as much as I like Trent, he can have those nights where he's just not great offensively. Adam Miller, same thing. I like him. I like all the guys on this team. I like Georgie as much as he can make you pull your hair out. I like DeMonte, even though part of his thing now, and Trevor and I agree on this, the whole shtick of taking charges and and getting all pissed off and up in opponents' faces. just We don't need an enforcer. We just need to win games. I, I like the swagger, but just quit it, DeMonte. Just do your thing. You're, you're good at other things than getting in people's faces. You have more to your game than that. I like all of these guys. But I also recognize that there are limits to what some of them can do. But there's no limit to what Io can do. And there's apparently no limit to what Kofi can do. And you get in a tournament setting, I, I like our chances. And you get a two seed, I really like your chances to make an Elite Eight. You go down the list in Ken Palm, or the AP Top 25, and you start getting into the hypothetical three seeds that you might face in a Sweet 16. Do any of them scare you? Even a Villanova? Kind of a paper tiger this year, right? Missouri was a four seed, even though I think they're 10th in the AP, but they did lose their second game in a row to an unranked, unranked opponent. So we'll see Missouri probably fall back to maybe a five seed or something like that. But you look at the three seeds, they don't scare you. Certainly the sevens or the tens don't that you'd face in the second round. Not saying with a two seed, you punch your ticket to the second weekend, but you kind of do. With Iowa and Kofi on this team, with let's just simplify it, with Io on this team, do you think that he's going to let this team lose to a seven or 10 seed in the second game of the NCAA tournament? Probably not. If that means he's got to score 35 points to get you to the Sweet 16, I get the feeling he will. And that ties in with the earlier conversation we had about just how damn good he is and that this may be the single best individual season in Illinois basketball history. Not hyperbole. I mean, the numbers are there and certainly the clutch moments are there. So you're trending where you need to be. And if I can watch the rest of the season and get some more of those moments, I said this to, I think, Jeremy, and I might have said it on this podcast as well. For me, it is going to become less about the banner that you may raise at the end of the year and more about the individual moments that this team can accrue. 
because all my favorite Illini teams, I can go back. I can go back to 01, and yes, they raised the Big Ten title banner. That was very important because that team had to really fight and slog their way through a decent Big Ten. Michigan State was really good. Wisconsin was really good. Ohio State back then with Michael Red and Scooney Penn, those guys, pretty good Big Ten. So they had to fight and claw their way to get that banner. But if you think about it, I don't immediately say the Big Ten champion 01 team. I say, all right, the Seton Hall game, Arizona, the United Center, Michigan State paint the hall orange, Wisconsin buzzer beater, Sean Harrington to Marcus Griffin. Frank's game winner, uh, Frank's game winner at Minnesota was the year after. But that was a crazy finish at Minnesota at the end of the year to help win that Big Ten title. Of course, I think of the conference title, but I think more of the moments. And they accrued a lot of them over that season. And we're starting to accrue them with this team. And you think of that three-game stretch. Winning, winning against Iowa was huge. We hate Iowa. It's fun to beat Iowa. And you did so when the stakes were very high. And the season was kind of teetering between memorable or disappointing. That was the pivot point, I think. The Indiana game, as ugly as that was, that was a three-hour mess that we will never forget. We accrued a moment watching that game and winning it in overtime without Iowa for the last seven minutes of the game. That's a ballsy win right there. I'm going to remember that for a long time. The Wisconsin game, a thing of beauty, as we called it here in this podcast. And the sense that I have that that's not the last of it. Now, Northwestern is probably not going to be one that you add to your memory bank. Oh, I'll add that. You know what? I'll add the Duke one at the beginning of the year. We'll laugh about how bad Duke ultimately was. But hey, I go back to 1995 when they won at Duke. And that Duke team, I believe, didn't make the NCAA tournament. That was the bad back for Coach K. And he took the rest of the year off. I think he also knew his team stunk. And Lou Henson's final year. But the win at Cameron Indoor, people still talk about the 95 win there. It's Duke. You win at Duke. That's a cool thing, even if it's a novelty. So we're getting those moments, and there will be more of them. And when you got Io kind of leading the way, closing games out at a ridiculously high rate, yeah, you're going to get more of those. All right. One more thing here, or is it two more things before I get out of here? Oh, Friday. I had a tweet about Jawan Howard. I wanted to clarify it because I reread it and sensed a sort of dog whistle aspect to it where someone could read it as a very underhanded and potentially racist tweet. So I do want to clarify what I was talking about on Friday with Juwan Howard. Kind of got on the crap list for some Michigan fans. Brendan Quinn is a writer for Michigan Athletics for The Athletic. And I had responded or retweeted, quote tweeted, something he had put out there, Juwan Howard talking about 11 games in 22 days and why that's not ideal. Juwan Howard's first thing that he said First reason why 11 games in 22 days may not be a good idea was missing classes. We don't want our guys missing too many classes, which I know that's coach speak. Jawan is not the first one to say something along the lines of, hey, you know, hitting the books is just as important as winning games. But we all know that's not a primary reason why he doesn't want to play 11 games in 22 days. I know that's cynical of me to say. I can't read his mind, but... I get the feeling that the number one reason that Jawan Howard and Michigan would prefer not to play 11 games in 22 days is because of the physical aspect of it. That would be quite a stretch for any team. And you have a team coming off of a two-week layoff, and you say, now go play a bunch of games. Now, keep in mind, the reason that I'm a little bit annoyed when I see this on Friday is because it felt like Michigan had sidestepped that game. Jawan Howard said he had nothing to do with it. Well, then I wonder who did. Who made that call? Michigan athletic director? Why was the Big Ten okay with it? There's a lot of people that I'm a little bit annoyed with that we didn't get that game on Thursday night. Michigan fans could easily respond, well, you had to go to overtime against Nebraska. How would you have beaten us? It's not about that. Listen, every game is its own thing. I think Thursday night would have been a hell of a game at Ann Arbor. And I don't know if Illinois would have won, but I think they would have had a shot. And it was a top six matchup. And we got deprived of that. And we don't really know why because they were clear to play. We saw a women's basketball game for Michigan on Thursday. We saw a wrestling match. And as Trevor pointed out, you got guys literally hugging and falling all over each other, sweating, coughing in each other's faces. They can play that on Friday, but they can't play a men's basketball game on a Thursday. So Juwan Howard using the academic thing is lame. <laughs> it's That's not why Juwan. And kind of absolving himself of responsibility. Well, I don't know who makes these decisions. Give me a break. If you don't, then that's a problem. You should know. 
why you didn't play that game on Thursday. So there's a lack of transparency going on. And then you see Michigan pivoting to this academic integrity thing. They fancy themselves an Ivy League school, which they are not. A great school, nonetheless. As a Michigan fan uh, tweeted to me, well, we're... Where'd you get your degree? And it's like the University of Illinois. Who cares? First off, who cares? I don't care about the academic side of this. When I watch college sports, I frankly don't give a damn about that team's GPA. If that's cynical of me, then so be it. I'm watching the game for entertainment. I don't need to see their family members. I don't need to see their college transcripts. I'm there to watch the game. Just like Jawan Howard is there to coach, to win games, and those players committed to Jawan Howard in Michigan or the program because they want to win basketball games. The academic side, that's great. They're going to have an education from Michigan or the guys here will have one from Illinois. I'm not diminishing that. But when we just throw that up, it's such a convenient excuse. Now, in the case of Michigan, it's not an excuse that he has to make. He's running a really good program there. And looking at the recruiting classes, Juwan Howard is going to at least equal what John Beeline did there. The talent he's got coming in, it's kind of scary, right? And this is not any sort of grandstanding as a Illini fan on my part. Michigan is a better basketball program than Illinois. Long-term, you go back the last 10 years since Beeline was there, and, and Jawan's got him in position to be better over the next five years as well. So again, this is not even so much about that. I just really get annoyed when people throw that out, even in this COVID-impacted year, you know, where there's so many convenient excuses you could use. Don't say missing classes is one of them. So I tweeted out that when Jawan was a player, I doubt that missing classes was that big of a priority for him. And Brendan Quinn replied to that with, well, for what it's worth, Jawan went back to school and got his degree. And as I said later, of course, Michigan fans just flood the timeline because they get all defensive and pissy about their academic integrity. And I don't care. I don't care that Jawan Howard went back. I'm not here for a Hallmark movie. I'm here to watch a basketball game that we got deprived of, and I know damn well that academics had nothing to do with it. So spare me, Brendan Quinn. Spare me, Michigan fans. Spare me, Juwan Howard. You may be better than Illinois this year. I'm willing to swallow that pill. But if we're going to postpone or cancel a game, don't tell me a day after that. One, I had nothing to do with it. And two, yeah, 11 games in 22 days. That's tough. We're going to miss some classes. Well, maybe play the game that was scheduled on a Thursday when you were eligible to play it. Maybe start with that. And then it'd be 10 games in 22 days. And they'd miss fewer classes. Thank God. It's... <laughs> Michigan fans are just a... Sh you know, one shade away from the way that Northwestern fans always throw out that academic thing. And they don't have to. They win enough games where they don't need to throw that out there. There's an anecdote from when I went up to... Lovey Smith's first year, they played at Michigan. My wife, God bless her, she got us tickets to it at the beginning of the year when it's like, oh, well, this would be cool. Lovey Smith versus Jim Harbaugh. Of course, Illinois was trailing 40 nothing at halftime. But the experience was fun. And just like any fan base, there's jerks and there's really cool people. I saw both of them and I do it again. It is a really cool environment going to a Michigan football game. But we were in this beer tent and this older Michigan fan, he saw me. I was wearing my Illinois stuff. I mean, we were one and eight or whatever we may have been, two and eight, we sucked. But what the heck? I knew we weren't going to win. I'll wear the orange and blue and just whatever. Take whatever grief you get and the gentle ribbing as you get into the stands from Michigan fans. And this guy comes up, Michigan crew neck sweatshirt, shorts. I think the high that day was 42. This is some sort of macho, moronic thing going on there when he picked out his wardrobe. And he comes up and he gets in this discussion with me about how Mike White was a cheater. And I'm thinking, I, I told him I wasn't even born then, so I, I really can't speak to that, and I, I don't care. And I said, so Bo Schembechler was clean as a whistle. He was like, oh, yeah. And, and this is just one little anecdote where it reminded me on Friday as I get these Michigan fans just, you know, notification, notification, which I need to learn how to maybe get off Twitter and ignore those things sometimes. I've gotten better over the years, but it just brought it all back. There's a pomposity to that fan base that can be very aggravating. And for a football program, we can kind of laugh at their arrogance, right? They have no reason to stand behind that. For basketball, they kind of do. Michigan basketball is in a really good place right now. But I really am annoyed by the fact that we were deprived of a game that we could have gotten. I don't know if Illinois would have won it or not. I'm not going to be one of those fans that says, hey, we got screwed because we would have won that. And I also don't want to play the game where 
I would have liked to play Michigan after their COVID break. Of course I would for the competitive advantage, presuming they would have been rusty, even though, as we saw today against Wisconsin, they figured it out. But ultimately, I'll play them anytime this year. And if we lose to them in March, I'm not going to say, well, we should have played them back on February 9th or whatever that day was, February 11th. Just a little bit of aggravation with Michigan fans. And you all feel it. We all know it. Again, it used to be where football, the Muck Fishkin t-shirts were because they always kicked our ass in football. For me, it's that feeling of, oh God, now they're going to be here and here to stay with basketball. Hopefully, Jawan gets his fix and he says, you know what? I'm going back to the NBA to be a head coach because he probably could be. That's where he came from and he had a lot of years there. But just to clarify, what I tweeted on Friday had no dog whistle or racist intent. Someone had replied to me thinking that I was alluding to the fact that, well, Jawan Howard black athlete, didn't want to go to class. He thought I was going that direction. That's not where I was going. Anyone that knows me knows that. But it was more to do with what I perceived to be just a really lame excuse. One final thing today, there's a funny little Twitter spat going on between Robert and the Illini board fellas and John Rothstein. Now, John Rothstein is kind of a caricature of a national basketball writer, and he coins all these phrases. I don't know if he's self-aware about it, If he is self-aware and he's just trying to be kind of purposefully lame, I I guess I respect that. But he is someone that has connections to coaches. He's one of those like Adam Schefter types, but he couples that with a lot of lame one-liners. No other way to put that. One of those is, here comes the pain. He's been tweeting that whenever Illinois wins a game, and you see that, and you're like, okay, well, first off, no one... No one calls it the pain. I got to thank Champagne Showers for bringing this to my attention. I hadn't even thought of it because I've never used the term, here comes the pain. And as Champagne Showers so eloquently put it, who says that? No one. No one says that. Well, John Rothstein made a shirt. He's got it for sale on his website. Who knew that a college basketball writer could profit off of college basketball teams more than the athletes themselves? But that's a whole other discussion for another day. Meanwhile, Robert from Eli and I, Robert from Illini board on Twitter at Illini. Okay, there we go. That can be confusing. I guess they had trademarked a shirt for their website as well. It was a 26 tweet thread. It can be difficult to get through all that. Long story short, like one of those, okay, get to the point. What's the point here? We have a Twitter spat between who coined this phrase first or who trademarked it first, who got the clearing from the Illini athletic department At the end of the day, I'm not going to buy either shirt because no one says here comes the pain. And I also just find it to be a bit of an icky conversation. Kind of snake oils salesman type thing going on here where we're selling something for a basketball program and making money on it. Which, listen, I I don't necessarily have a problem with people trying to profit any way they can and making money off of their media services, right? But this is specifically because the team on the court is doing well. Same thing with Barstool. I think they had a King Kofi t-shirt. And it's like, how the hell can this be possible? It has Kofi's face on it. And they're making money. My suggestion would be for John Rothstein or Illini Board or Barstool that are making these shirts, be active proponents, and maybe they are, that these guys should be able to profit from their likeness. And in the meantime, these Twitter spats about who came up with a phrase like, here comes the pain, seem relatively stupid. Now, if you want a real t-shirt, this is a perfect segue. If you want a real t-shirt that looks good and fits good and doesn't have a weird punny title, listen, we've done puns here. God knows we've done puns on this podcast, some of them stupider than the next. But it is tongue-in-cheek, it is self-aware, and we've never once used pain, P-A-I-G-N, or in the case of, I think, John Rothstein, it's pain without the G. Who even knows? I'm not going to bother to look up again. But if you want a real T-shirt that looks cool, fits great, vintage-inspired Illini T-shirt, fourthandkirby.com. Some really cool ones coming up, including this Wednesday on February 17th. 217 is the date. If that's a hint for what the T-shirt looks like, there you go. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You're going to like this one. We unfortunately cannot get the famous person who popularized this shirt. You'll know it when you see it. We could not book this guest, but we have a guest coming up in March for another t-shirt from 4th and Kirby, one of my all-time favorites. I can't say any more than that. You're going to like that one too. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order at 4thandkirby.com. 
Also, DP Doe. I'm on at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike. $5 calzone, $6 premium in construction zones, custom zones, where you can get any topping you want, or some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie and the Buffer Zone. Those were my go-tos back in college. Go to dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so stay home, stay warm, and get a delicious piping hot calzone from dpdoe.com. We also have State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian and his staff will hook you up with great State Farm prices and personalized service. Brianismyguy.com. And finally, Rector Construction, online at Rector Construction, R-E-C-T-O-R, construction.com. From a new roof to a crawl space inspection to everything in between, go to rectorconstruction.com for a free estimate today. Got to thank Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. I think that's it for today. Didn't know if I was going to do one today or Monday because we have school off for President's Day, but I will be on with Jeremy and the Illini Inquirer podcast tomorrow. We'll talk about Friday and the schedule coming up for Illinois, but despite what happened in an overtime win that probably should not have been that close, you know what? You're 10-3 and three in the conference. You're a two-seed in the NCAA tournament, and if you just do your job, you will remain a two-seed with a chance to make a deep tournament run. And all things considered, that's a pretty cool place to be. So I'm feeling good about things regardless of what happened in Lincoln. We'll see you Tuesday night, 8 p.m., which means a 9 p.m. start for us for the second half. Hopefully the officiating will mean it's a nice breezy second half. And about 10 o'clock, so old man Carp can get to bed. I know, I'm one of those. I won't be drinking coffee, but I will be ready to hopefully snooze after that. And I'm hoping for a blowout so you don't get the juices flowing and the heart rate pumping late at night because that's... It's hard to come down from that. The Indiana game, I was up until 1 o'clock. Way too fired up after that. So we'll be back Tuesday with Trevor and Isaac. Should be fun. Hey, in the meantime, you're hearing Decadence. That's my band. This is Out of Your Head from our latest album, Fever Dreams, available anywhere music is streaming. We'll see you Tuesday night. So stay safe, stay healthy, and for the love of God, stay warm. It is the 200 level.